Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along. This is the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. Great to have them on board with us for the next few months. And this weekend, we are heading to the OTR Super Sprint at the Bend Motorsport Park, which is going to have a little bit of a name change this week. I think the signs are already up. I think the signs are up, Will Dale, but until they make it official, I'm not going to say... Shell V Power Motorsport Park. Facebook but official. I think it's is it, once once it, it is in a relationship with. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that voice you heard is Will Dale. I'm Aaron Noonan. It's great to have you with us. And the bend this weekend. This is our latest in our well, normally we're doing track features, aren't we, in the lead up to the rounds, but the bend's only got five rounds, uh, five years of supercars racing history, and it's kind of overshadowed anyway, because this weekend marks the six hundredth hundredth round of Australian Touring Car Championship and Supercars Championship Racing, as it's now known. So we thought it would be a great idea to take a look at the 599 rounds in detail. We'll run through the full results of every – no, we won't. No, we won't. (laughs) Will had a momentary look of panic on his face there thinking, is the recorder big enough to fit all of that on it? No. No, no, it's not. is (laughs) Is the answer. But 600 rounds is a fairly hefty uh, margin of any form of achievement. And uh, it's ironic, though, that the 600th round has fallen at the track with the least amount of sort of history <laughs> in this year's calendar. Yeah, it is. But also, like, the Bend has all, has been built as a fantastic venue and fantastic circuit. So it's, it's fitting that that circuit is now getting a piece of Australian Touring Car Championship history. A big milestone weekend. It is a milestone. And straight away... Some of our listeners, some of the learned supercars fans out there would be saying, well, hang on a minute. How can we be celebrating a round milestone when we don't acknowledge round winners anymore? Your thoughts? Well, we we still use it as a metric when looking at driver career longevity. We look at their round starts, round appearances, rather than basing it solely off of race starts because, of course, that's skewed since 2009 very heavily towards... Um, very heavily towards races mm. because we count them all as wins rather than just having a round winner. It's a really interesting one. If you think if you're a cricket fan or a tennis fan, we've kind of changed the weighting if you're, let's say you're a tennis fan, to making a big deal about who won how many sets as yes. opposed to who won the match overall in yeah. terms of who had the most sets, <laughs> which yeah. is what uh, we're talking about here. I would, I think it's important, and we saw this during COVID, remember, when we had those mixed tyre rounds where no driver, no matter what they did, could win all three races in a weekend the way that the format was at the time. And, and a round winner acknowledgement was kind of part of that there for a brief period of time. I think we should actually bring that back in some way, shape or form. What it is, I'm not quite sure. I mean, we keep the stats for it and note down who is the, the top point scorer for the weekend, but I'd like to see something for it. Well, it sounded like Brock Feeney got something for it he, in Townsville. We're still, we still have not got <laughs> the answer to that of why that was such a big deal on the radio, but I'm not sure if there was a bonus there. No one's really ever kind of explained how that's all uh, that's all played out. So 
course, round one wasn't round one in 1960 because for the first nine years, the championship was decided, as many people know, by one race per year. The Australian Touring Car Champion was the winner of a race at a bunch of different tracks. It changed every year. In 1960, it was Nublar near Orange, February the 1st, 1960, for those playing along at home, on a Monday. To, on a uh, Monday. On a Monday. It was on a Monday just to uh, be a bit different to most of the races in championship history. I presume that was a public holiday in New South Wales or at least in Orange because yeah, they I'd needed so. to close well, the roads. I think it was Easter. I think it was around Easter time. In February? No, no, this was – oh, February. No, no, no. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Australia? something else. Oh, I'm not sure. There, yeah. were, there was some public holiday. There was a reason maybe – was Australia Day a thing in 1960? That's a very good question I that I do not know the no, answer to. I don't think it was. Anyway, it was on a Monday and it happened and it was a thing. And then for the 60s, it was one race, uh, run and done. Uh, if you didn't win it, come back next year and have another go. 1969, it became uh, a multi-round championship, although we count those single years from 60 to 68 as around because it was one of one. Were. It was yeah. one of one. Exactly. The one round championship. Exactly. Exactly. And and something really interesting when we looked into this, and I, I know a lot of people bemoan um, how many more how many more rounds there are these days than there were back in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and even the early nineties. But it's not really that many more than I mean, we were running ten rounds come the mid nineties. Mm. And we're only at twelve now and we peaked at fifteen. So you know, it's well. You look at the the mid nineties, ten rounds plus Sandown plus Bathurst. Yeah, then which plus part a couple, of it. then plus a couple of other Grand Prix, yeah. Gold Coast, the Triple Challenge, or whatever else was sort of cooking. But when I did the numbers, it took twenty years for the first one hundred rounds to be held. So it took until nineteen eighty at Sandown when Kevin Bartlett won the round in the Camaro up against Peter Brock in the Commodore. So it took basically twenty years to get to a hundred. <laughs> it's taken us less than half that time to get to the last 100 from 2016, uh, which was Phillip Island, the 500th round, to 600 this weekend. That's nuts. That's that's, it's. I, but I guess that's a factor of only having one round per year for the first nine years. Yeah, it didn't really help the equation. And even mathematics. Up, and even after that, it was only what six, seven rounds in five at, at early. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it wasn't. But the other thing was in in those days there was lots of touring car racing, just that it wasn't all ATCC racing. Mm. There were, you know, we were very much, and a lot of people struggled to get their head around it. But there's actually two types of touring cars. There's improved production and series production. Oh, yeah. So improved production raced for the Touring Car Championship and at numerous other races during the year. And series production was what Bathurst was and yes. the, the endurance races and all that sort of stuff was. So there's a whole pile of events and rounds and events that just don't count in among this. And there's a lot of people who, you know, automatically when you ask, oh, what's your favourite championship memory? You'll go, oh, Bathurst 92 or Bathurst, you know, 86. Or yeah, it usually starts like, with Bathurst, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, well, Bathurst didn't become around until 1999. Yes. So just goes to show that in the hearts and minds of the fans, apart from the absolute tragics for all things history and statistical, it all is <laughs> like one us, big mean. happy family <laughs> of, of history, isn't it? Yeah. Um, given that 20-year jump, it feels like we should look at, maybe what the 50th round was, given like a lot of things change over that 20-year period. It's a lily pad yeah. jump. So what was the 50th round? Well, that was 1974 Surfers Paradise. And what was what, what was significant about that round, do you think? Um, well, aha. Dick Johnson drove for the Holden Dealer team. 
yeah, that that I imagine would be a shock to some listeners. Yeah, a big shock. That was a one-off a drive, one-off yeah. In the XU1 Tirana. And I always had thought that that was the Peter Brock car that Brock had driven to second at Bathurst year before and had used in that year's championship before he got the V8 Tirana hmm. that he used to win at Surface Paradise in that year, at that 50th round. But a bit more research over time shown that they actually used the Colin Bond Sydney car for Dick. Yeah, right. For Queensland that weekend. I but guess that makes sense. It was closer. It, yeah, for less distance to travel. So, but that was that would have been the first win for a V8 Tirana in the Australian Touring Car Championship. Spot on. Yeah, yeah. At the now defunct Surface Paradise International Raceway, which P- potentially one of our listeners is is living on living on it right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, well, I went for a walk around there last year. Um, was up there about this time last year, actually, end of August, start of yeah. September, and um, was staying actually just nearby. Went for a bit of a walk around, and you know, it's um, there's nothing that you could um, identify to go, ah, yes, well, this was where this bit was, and and that bit. So it's one of those tracks that is uh, sadly, well, actually, when you look at this list of the milestone by the centuries, <laughs> 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, not too many of these tracks, well, it's it's a bit of half half. So Nubla obviously is not a. Well, it's not know, a track, but the bits, bits for the there. most part still exist. Yeah, Sandown's still there, but for how much longer? Yeah. So the 100th round was Sandown 1980. It got the 200th round as well in 1992. Uh, 2001 was the 300th round at Oran Park. Gone. Someone may be listening. You could from, be parked right <laughs> from there Oran Park the, Town. <laughs> yes, exactly. You could be uh, living, sitting on your couch, uh, right where some good racing was going on that weekend. Uh, round 400, 2009 in Hamilton, New Zealand, no longer used by supercars. Uh, a temporary street. Mm. Well, not really. St- yeah, it was streets, but it was in a industrial precinct. Really, um, there were still streets. There were still, still streets, line markings roads, and yeah, traffic exactly, lights. Exactly. And 500, as I mentioned, was Phillip Island, which is not on the calendar at mm. the moment. It's very much still a facility, but we, you're just not using it as a championship round at the moment. So they are the milestone rounds, and of course, we add this weekend into the books as as the 600th round. So, what was your first round? Uh, I actually went back through the list of rounds to have a look at this before to see because I was curious as to which number it was. Mm. Like, oh, well, I've done yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So mine was round number 227, Sandown 1995. Ah, yes, yes. Was this a family holiday? Uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise... um coming from North Queensland, would have had to wait a lot longer to go to a local round. But yeah, yeah, 2009, yeah. pretty much, for Townsville. Uh, which I was also at. That was actually my second touring car championship so round. A small gap between events yeah, for you. a bit what, of a 14 gap. years. Yeah, that's, something like that. That's a margin. Well, because I'd been going to the Sandown 500 every year hmm. from 86. I think I missed 89 and 95. So I didn't actually go to a round of the championship until round number 247, which oh, was right. otherwise known as the first round of the 1997 championship which was the first round under the auspices of Avesco, uh, of course won by Wayne Gardner under the lights in the Coca-Cola Commodore for WGR, which was my debut weekend with Motorsport News. Oh, well, very so, momentous weekend indeed. Yeah. So I would be interested to count up now from that 247th how many rounds I've actually been to. It would be a sizable number. Yeah, it's dropped away in the recent past, um, but I'd – you know, 247, we're about 600. So there's been 350-odd in the time since I went to the first one. So I'd have to think 200 would be a, a fair More guesstimation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much going to all of them through Holden period, television period from 07 to 14, 
fair few in the years after that, still going to some with Channel 10 for a couple of years, nothing in 20. I'll be on the Grand Prix in Adelaide. Mm. 21, very few, and then more recent times, very few on site. So surely there's – I must have a milestone somewhere. Surely I've got to be – We'll, we'll run the numbers. I don't think do that one's in A and one data, but we can. No, it can I'll, be. I'll, I'll do a little bit of a uh, little bit of homework, a little bit of research on on all of that. But if you look at that one hundredth round, that's also been in our podcast in recent times. Because remember, I mentioned this recently, and some yeah. listeners might not have have heard it. We're on the mission to find the lost races of Australian motorsport and touring car racing, and we've actually turned up a bit of vision thanks to the National Film and Sound Archive from the 10 Eyewitness News Vault from that 1980 touring car round, which was a barnstorm. It was actually one of those two heat rounds, wasn't mm, it, with yeah. Bartlett and Brock going at it the first year of the Commodore in touring car championship. And the, it was probably the Camaro's most competitive season in the championship as opposed to, you know, obviously it was was fast at Bathurst a couple of years in a row. I think it was one of the – might have been the only time the Camaro did the full championship. I think, I think it was. You missed chunks of eighty one. Don't think, don't know if it was there for all of eighty two, but and that was that was on paper from what I've read in terms of reports a ripping weekend of a battle between them. Yeah, and I was really hoping I could find some actual race coverage vision, but I'm not sure that it was covered. But nevertheless, we did find this little bit of vision that we were able to get a little bit of a slice of. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. The 92 Sandown round that was the 200th round. So John Bauer won that. That was another, and that was the year that it actually went to regularly, two races per weekend. Yes. It had been a single race per round, generally right throughout its yeah. history from '69 to '91. The odd two race, two heat round, the odd one where they put the big cars in one race and the small cars in another. But that was a bannerhead, and of course the Group A of '92 was what would you call it? Australian Group A is probably the best way to put <laughs> paratized? it. Paratized? Yeah. Attempted some, paratized? There'd been some tweaking going on to try to even out the cars and get a bit better competition, which I think was actually achieved that year. Because well, well, if you look at that round alone, you could see that the Nissan GTRs were struggling to get near the Ford Sierras in a straight line. Big time. Which had been in stark contrast to the pre- previous 18 months. And that was the round, wasn't it, that Thomas, sorry, Thomas, Hmm. Uh, turned the HRT61 car into a shitbox over the top of the hill uh, he, and fired it in. He was able to still keep driving it, so he did all right. It, it was, was him and he, it was Thomas Mesera and Glenn Seaton that both went off synchronised, mm, I think. From yeah, memory. into the back straight. Yeah. And, and I remember too Jim Richards firing a move up the inside. Was it on Dick for the on win? Dick. For, for, for the second. Second, in second the first third, race. Yeah, yeah. And these are the glory days. I mean, this is Dash for Cash era. This is the first year of. The mighty PJ Dash for cash. It was. And that probably would have been, because Sandown was what, round two that year? It was. Yeah, so that would, have been was the, one. that would have been the second ever Peter Jackson Dash. I'd love to see the Dash come back. Perfect. Perfect. Just for fun. Just for giggles. Bit of Sunday morning motorsport. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've kind of, if you tune in on a Sunday at a regular supercar round, you've, you've got a whole morning of support categories, more supercars qualifying, maybe a shootout. And a race at two two thirty, like 
give me, give me, give me a bit of dash action. I reckon the teams might take issue with that, depending on how late the previous day finishes. Yeah. But um, then again, that's been a regular complaint over the past couple of years and it hasn't been addressed yet, so. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole other yeah. matter. So 300th round was Mark Scaife winning at Oran Park in championship winning season, right in the middle of that HRT glory period where they just won championships out of habit more than anything. Yes, yeah. um, and, and Scaife at Oran Park was a jet. Like he won so many races there, not just in the – HRT era, but in the Nissans he was quick. He just had a – there in Eastern Creek with the two tracks where his numbers just – I mean, he's got good numbers pretty much everywhere, but the numbers are really good there. Well, Oran Park was essentially Scafie's home track growing up, coming from Central Coast. I mean, think of all the times he raced lasers there. Sure, he raced at like Amaru and the other Sydney tracks that were around in the period, ventured down south a couple of times, but Oran Park was – really where he sort of cut his teeth as a race car driver. So it stands to reason that the amount of miles that he did around there, he'd become very, very good. It's kind of like how Brock was always good at Oran Park, even in the latter days of his career, just because he'd done so many miles there. Just clicked. Yeah. And Scaife was good at Eastern Creek too. They were the two tracks where he really did. I mean, he he set numbers at all tracks, but, yeah. you know, they were. He was around for long enough to set. If you're yeah, around but, long enough. But those ones were ones where he really did score some significant points. So, 300 rounds there, that's halfway. So from 1960 to 2001, so it took 41 years to get to 300 and to get the next 300, it's taken us, what, another 22 Yeah, basically. So That's, that's progress. And, and that <laughs> that's shows too. Yeah, and we're very much into the V8 supercar and supercar era at that point. So the number of rounds started really going up. The endurance races by that stage were part of the show. The Gold Coast Indy was in the championship from the next year, 02. Mm. And, of course, the Grand Prix later on did become. So whenever the championship or whenever the cars go racing, they race for points. So if they're racing, it counts. There's There's been yes, nothing yeah. since, what was that, 2018 when the Grand Prix swapped First to, joined, to yeah. points. So ever since then, supercars haven't gone racing without – let's not even go into qualifying races and are they races and not races. Yeah, let's and not do that. All that jazz. But you know what I mean. That's the sort, yeah. of, uh, that's the sort of vibe that, uh, that, that I'm talking about. So – 400, Hamilton, New Zealand, that was the second year of the Hamilton event, but that was the first year of every race is its own podium, its own entity, and we went very much to the um, race-by-race scenario of of that being the measure Hmm. of of success. And we still use it, don't we, race wins, but I think having round wins is also the other element that's, you know, important to – to keep a track of. For sure. At least Jamie Wincup made it very easy for us at Hamilton in 2009 because he won both races and therefore is undisputably the round winner from that weekend. <laughs> I was looking into that too at the time that I was building a little feature that's in the Bend Motorsport Park program, the official program. It's a digital program this weekend. It's available online now. You can grab a copy from our um, issue.com website where the uh, the programs are living. If you can't find it, jump on our website. You'll find a, a story or you'll find a link somewhere around in Google land. And we actually can call it Shell V-Power Motorsport Park because in the 20 or so minutes that we've been talking, the announcements come out. I know. How good is that for timing? Yeah. That never happens. Normally <laughs> stuff gets announced just after you've just recorded or you've just uploaded an episode of a podcast. But this time around, it's happened while we're recording this, while this is unfolding, it is now official that this weekend's 600th round is at Shell V-Power Motorsport Park. The good people at the bend really came through for us there. They yeah, did they, an they absolute their, solid. They got their timing absolutely to perfection. So of the milestone 100th rounds, 
100, 200, 300 were, were round winners. Mm. Wing Cup was by that stage not an official round winner, but he was the winner. In the 500th round, Scott McLaughlin in the Volvo was actually the top point scorer for that weekend too. Did he clean up the he weekend He also too? did the double. Yeah, that he was, did. He that did. was part of that was streak that the, where Scotty was just dominant at Phillip Island. That wasn't that the Game of Thrones weekend though, was it? That was not. That, that was, was 2019. Year, year after, a couple of years later when he was at DJ Penske. Yeah. Yeah. So and obviously the GRM era of Volvos is, is significant and that's ironic that the car that won the 500th round is not in the country anymore, so no good. <laughs> Jamie Winkup's Vodafone Falcon FG – uh, that's with Matty White and has been and not right at TV Matty White. That's with Super 2, Super yes. 3 team and car owner Matthew White. So that's part of our 888 book uh, on the history of all those cars. And really good news, early September we're expecting to get stock of that book. We've had an update from our printer today. So it's all tracking along really well and we'll have stock at the Sandown 500 in September. Very exciting. As well. So Scafi wins in 2001 at Oran Park. I think that's the last round before they debuted – the Golden Child. Wow. Okay. And I, and I think that's Chassis 43 that became the Lap of the Gods Kmart Commodore. There you go. Hmm. Hmm. Um, JB, obviously, those Sierras are all around. Kevin Bartlett's Camaro is part of the Bowden's collection, which, of course, we're um, uh, great to have on board with Bowden's own premium car care. David Mackay, the Jack 3.5. Uh, 3.4, do we know if that's around? I feel like that's not. I feel like that got destroyed, got on sold and then destroyed at Longford a couple of years later. But I might, I'm not an, I'm not an expert at Must Jags from that era. Guru either, um, so. so if it does survive, that is fantastic. Mm. I, I know one of those, one of McKay's Jags does survive, but I feel like that might have been a car that finished third in Ron Hodgson's hands that weekend. But I, I had a weird feeling that I read somewhere that the McKay car ended up in Appendix J in the 80s. I've got a weird feeling I read that somewhere. In that a might magazine. be the other one. I feel like there were two. Mm. But I, again, mm, not, not sure. an expert, could be wrong. Yeah, totally not a guru, totally not a guru. It's ironic. Well, it's, it's interesting, I should say, not ironic, that South Australia is hosting the 600th round at the Bend and when you add it all up, there's only ever been four tracks, yeah. including the Bend, to actually host the championship, whereas you think of all the different tracks in New South Wales, particularly so in Victoria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, South Australia's had just the four, and, of course, the Bend is the, the newest and freshest of, of all of them. But the Adelaide Parkland circuit has had the most at 23. Adelaide International Raceway, which we'll talk about, has had 19. Malala had 14, and the Bend is having its seventh this weekend. That's – that's for how long Adelaide – so Adelaide International Raceway was – still around when I was growing up. I think the last round there was 88. Mm. First round, 72. Yeah. Um, that actually – that I guess it makes sense that the Parkland circuit that we all know and love from the Adelaide 500 has surpassed that. And I mean, that that venue in itself, when that came onto the calendar, that was a real sort of – that in itself was a milestone moment for supercars because it was proof that they could take the circus to a big capital city and would draw a massive crowd and be a fantastic event. And it got yeah. bigger and better from there. The template yeah. was used for places like Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. It was the street launch pad and template for what became the way to do it. Mm. And, and it led the world in Formula One and then also in, in V8s. But the South Australian venue swapping was a, was a thing right throughout that period because the first South Australian round was at Malalar when it was a one-off in 63. Mm. And then, um, of course, once it became a part of the – you know, the multi-round championship. So from 69, Malala was in that first year. 
So Pete Gagan won in the Mustang. Um, it was there for the first two years of the 70s. Gagan won again in 70, Bob Jones Camaro in 71. Because if you wanted to have a national championship and have a round in South Australia, where else were you going to race at that point? At that point, yeah, it was Malala. But then Keith Williams purchased Malala. Mm. Keith Williams also created Adelaide International Raceway off the back of Surface Paradise. Yes. So, so hence the the round got moved across to AIR from seventy two onwards, and and there's been some notable things happen there over history, which we'll touch on in a minute. But there was a court order imposed to end racing at Malar, so then it could all go to yeah. to AIR. So it hosted the championship, as you said, through to the eighties, but then. By the 80s, Bob Jane had taken over AIR, had the Calder Park venue, had the Thunderdome, but also did that deal, remember, with Quit. Yes. With the, the anti-cigarette sponsorship yeah. scenario with Vic Health, with the Victorian government. So therefore, cigarette cars racing at a Quit-sponsored track or tracks was just not going to fly. So those anti-smoking sponsorships effectively forced the Touring Car Championship to move from AIR back to Malala for... Uh, 1989, and by that stage, Clem Smith had bought Malar in the late 70s, and even though that whole no racing can happen on the land moving forward thing was in place, that got overturned, and it had been a racetrack for seven years since the early 80s before Mm. the championship actually returned. Dick Johnson won, and then it was kind of on the calendar for, what, a decade until 98 when the sensational Adelaide 500, as it was called, was firing up for, for 99, but... That wasn't Malala's last championship appearance, no. asterisk, <laughs> asterisk, slash, asterisk. Yeah, if you look at the old um, 2002 Adelaide 500 schedule, you'll notice a pre-qualifying session that didn't take place on the Adelaide street circuit. <laughs> it took place at Malala a couple of days before because with the size of the paddock or the size of paddock space that was available um, in the Adelaide precinct at that point, they wanted to whittle it down to the number of entries down to actually fit that space before everyone bumped in. Hence why there were like 14 or 15 cars went out to Malala on... Uh, 16. 16. For 11 spots. Yeah. And there were a lot of big names out there because of there had been a lot of franchise movements in the off-season. There were a lot of... Um, a couple of teams that expanded. Uh, for example, Holden Racing Team sent Mark Scaife. But they didn't have to. They that didn't was have their to. choice. They yeah. put him into a very precarious position if he didn't survive, had a problem or something weird happened. I'm sure he would have driven the O2 car, Holden Young Lions car. Which <laughs> was the car that was um, of Rick Kelly that was benched from pre-qualifying. They basically inserted Scaife instead of Rick Kelly. He ended up obviously making it through and it worked out mm. okay. But there was, uh, do you know, the five drivers who didn't make it through that pre-qualifying to get to the 2002 Clipsal 500, whose Clipsal 500 ended at Malala about four <laughs> days before. Uh, I feel like Thomas Mesero was one. Tick. Uh, Dougal McDougal was another. Tick. Oh, Steve Reed was there. But, close. But he didn't take part in the session, so that doesn't technically count. No, but you're close. Mm, oh, it was Trevor Ashby, not uh, Steve Reed. I was going to say, go. yeah, yeah. any other hints. No, no, yeah. Very close. Uh, Two to go. And they were teammates. Ooh, teammates. In a privateer Falcon team. Uh, oh, privateer Falcon team. No, I think I'm I'm tapped. Who is it? V8 Sleuth podcast guest Greg Crick. Ah, yes. And local driver Ross Halliday. Right. They were the five who missed out on 
the 11 spots for the O2 Clipsal. Uh, it was a 36-car field for that event. So, uh, yeah, it was held on the Wednesday of race week, mm. by the way. Uh, of course, Adelaide, four-day event, but the V8s used to not go on the track till Friday yeah. in, the, in that era. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. The other thing I wanted to raise too, and I didn't look up which round this is in championship history, maybe you can while I'm talking about this, the 1983 Adelaide International Raceway Touring Car Round. So it had some notable stuff, AIR, 73 the year that Moffat's car was pinched <laughs> overnight <laughs> um, from the dealership that it was being prepped and stored in. He, they pushed the race back. He's, they can't find it. He gets in Murray Carter's car, starts back the grid, salvages some points, which was all handy. Real car, factory car is found in the Adelaide Hills after a joyrider took it for a, a bit of a fang on the Saturday night. <laughs> With no carby and an apology note in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Never did find that guy. 79, the famous Bob Morris Touring Car Championship victory over Brock in that head-to-head last race, which was an absolute dinger. Um 76 when Moffat didn't even get to the circuit oh, with his that car. Was the, that was the year that the, the car burnt down in the transporter, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the one. And so, yeah, AIR and Moffat were just – and he ended yeah. up borrowing John Goss's car yeah. to compete that weekend, and that helped him win the championship that year too. Mm. That kept him going. I think he drove it at Lakeside as well from yeah. memory. So AIR and Alan Moffat were just not having a good run there for, for quite some time. And the other thing is that AIR hosted two rounds – of the championship because they used to have an endurance race there basically every year through the 70s and, and 80s. Mm. And for 76 and 7, the years that the Enduros Bar Bathurst were rolled into the championship as well, AIR hosted two rounds for those two years. Mm. So, yeah. But, but where I was going with yes. all this is that AIR in 1983, which was round number – 125. There you go. You've uh, got it while I was waffling about some of the stuff. <laughs> the Mazda 100. Well, funny you should mention that because <laughs> yes. this is the only race in their history in the 599 rounds and 1,100 and something or other races where there has been a race winner who had the same race time as the second-place car. That's very careful wording. Mm. For good reasons. Yes. <laughs> so there was a dead, fin- dead heat finish between Brock's Commodore and Moffat's Mazda in the Mazda 100. Mm. So the famous right-hand bowl that brought the cars onto the pit straight, Moffat went to the outside at the last corner to try to round up Brock, who by that stage I think the Commodore tyres are getting a little bit saggy at the end of 40 laps of racing. So he comes off the final turn. They go to the line. They can't be split by the stopwatch. This is in the days of uh, single decimal place timing, one decimal point. So Mm. not... Like these days, 0.0023 or whatever yeah, it's it It's a lot be. harder to do this now. Yeah, correct. So the official race time for both cars is 39 minutes, 44.5 seconds, but the judge of fact gave Brock the nod as the winner. Wow. So it's a dead heat finish, but Brock was given the nod, probably by virtue of the bumper bar of his Commodore, I'd say. <laughs> yes. Hmm. And I noticed that that meant he led every single lap of the race as well. There was no lead changes that day. 
if there the was, they weren't, line. weren't at the start finish line. No, exactly. So, yeah, another one of those interesting footnotes of how it's all unfolded. And if you add up the 23, 19, 14, and six, sounds like I'm doing lotto numbers, but and supplementary round is 62 rounds in South Australia. There you go. Out of the 599, which, um, What's that, just over 10%? 10%. Yeah. yeah, it's about 10%. So for our South Australian listers, you have contributed very well to uh, our overall championship of what will be 600 rounds as of this weekend when the cars roll out. Well, actually on Friday because official practice starts Friday. So yes. that is officially the start of the race meeting and that's the start of the round and away we go. Just looking at percentages as well, another another thing that's in the, um, the Ben program was a breakdown on all the – different eras by the mm. number of rounds in them and that mm. this got my attention because it there's every so often there's like a numerical or statistical oddity that pops up like craig lowndes winning the 888th championship round oh that was uh, championship gold. race sorry that was gold yeah. to win his 100th to win his 100th in car triple a yeah yeah which by the way i only figured out during the race <laughs> so i just managed what was to get that it. experience like because that must have been a real real oh, good feeling to spot that one and then yeah, triple check it i, I can't remember 2015, I don't think I was physically on site for that one. I think I was doing it from home on TV. Mm. And as I was tapping my way through writing some notes for the end of the race, so Rusty and Crompo were in the box for that one. Oh, yeah. So I had to hurriedly get some text messaging going. And, of course, Rusty delivered it really well with that um, call on the run of the flag, and we just managed to get that one in there. So yeah. uh, tight. Yes. Well, the mer- numerical oddity that I'm looking at at the moment Project Blueprint era, so 2003 Adelaide through to Homebush at the end of 2012. Yep. 137 championship rounds. Of 599. Of 599. The era that followed immediately followed it, Car of the Future slash Gen 2. Which I count as the same. I mean, it was yeah, a, the same. It's underpinned by the same. the chassis are the same underneath. So. Exactly. In the same way that Group C took a few different turns over its history, but it's and essentially all Group one. Group A kind of did too. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, Car of the Future Gen 2, 2013 Adelaide through to Adelaide last year, 137 rounds. The exact same number. Mm. Mm. Or the same the time dot. frame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years. So, um, some years had more rounds, some years had less, but it all evened out, funnily enough, how it all works. So. Yeah. But then you look at the next year, which is 111 rounds, and that was the five-litre slash V8 supercar. So mm. 93 Amaru through to 2002 Sandown before Project Blueprint came in for 03. So that's not far behind. So when no. you actually – and, of course, if you add on – we've had seven rounds this year of Gen 3 supercars. Have you got your spreadsheet there just quickly that you can – because what I want to know is the percentage of rounds that have been in the V8 era, if you oh, look at the I time see, frame, yeah. 1960 to 1993 is 33 years, 1993 to 2023 is 30 years. Hmm. So what I'd like to know is I would have thought that the vast majority of rounds – of the 599 that have occurred will be in the, just call it what you will, 5-litre slash V8 yeah. supercar slash supercars era. 65%. Yeah, right. Yeah. What's the total number? 599. Oh, sorry. Of yeah. the 599. Um, that is an extremely good point that is no longer on my calculator. Oh. So 137, 137, 111, and 7. 7. 7, 14, 29, 22, carry the 2, 3 and 3 is 6, is 7 is 9, 392. There you go. 392 of 599 has been since it was all – well, it wasn't all V8s in 93. There were some Bimmers and two-litre cars and – A couple of Corollas. A couple of Corollas that were uh, were pounding around. But um, 
It's interesting when you split it up and you analyse that. We've got the same scenario with Bathurst this year whereby the 60th anniversary, 93 was the five-litre era proper starting. It's half of the race's history Yeah, from that point onwards. Yeah, and it's interesting how that will sort of then bias your approach to what you remember because, I mean, Mm. we're all from that era (laughs) essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So interesting stuff, 600 rounds this weekend at the OTR Super Sprint at Shell V Power. Motorsport Park. I wanted to get that right. Formerly known as the Bend. It's going to take a while to. I think it's still called the Bend in generic terms. Colloquially. Colloquially. Don't yeah, no. Write hey, that down. I don't think uh, I said it right either. No, no, it was, it was better than I could it say. It was in the window. Hey, before we go, a couple of little things to tell you about, which this week have gone on sale. We've been asked a lot when we're announcing our Bathurst V8 Sleuth Open Night for this year at the museum on the Thursday night. We have announced it uh, this week. Tickets are on sale now. Larry Perkins, our six-time Bathurst 1000 winner guest, is going to be with us for that night. By the way, tickets are limited. There's only X number of seats, so they're already often flying out the door. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure that you book and get those tickets. The details are via our website or Eventbrite. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.com.au, and you can search for Larry Perkins V8 Sleuth Open Night. While you're there, you can also search for the V8 Sleuth Sandown 500 open night, which is going to be on uh, the Wednesday of Sandown 500 week, so September 13, 7.30pm, we are going to be at Tickford Racing to mark their 20th anniversary this year. Of course, we're doing the book on the history of all of their cars. Um, A range of drivers will be along for the fun. Uh, We've got a free gift for all of our guests at both of these nights, and also uh, we're going to have some fun at Tickford talking about the highs and the lows and all the stuff that's gone on over the 20 years. So it's a real celebration. But I've got to tell you, there's really limited room at Tickford Racing. So the tickets for this one are really, really limited. If you want to come, make sure you book yours now because they will sell out quickly. First in literally best dressed. Quite literally. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to tell you what to wear. <laughs> there is no dress code. No no dress well, code. But yeah. Well, team gear. Wear yeah. your Tickford gear. Wear your FPR or your, your Pro Drive gear or your Pepsi Max or your Trading Post or your, your Bottle O or your Rabble.club. Yeah, well, yeah, there was a bit of that around back in the day, wasn't there, over the journey. Look, satellite teams are okay too. Super black. Back in black. Yeah, Ford Rising Stars. Um, Whether it was the James Moffat Norton era or the Michael Petruzzi Oz drill or the Caruso car that was run out of there for a little bit. and Yeah, there's all sorts of possibilities of of what gear you go to wear. Wear your Team Navy gear. The Team Navy gear, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, I like it. Uh, next week, Will, can you tell the fine listeners what we're doing? I, I think we're doing a Q&A podcast. I think you're right. You bring the Qs, uh, we bring the As. Yes. It's our normal theme for these podcasts. So that is next week on the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's Own Premium Car Care. In an upcoming weeks, over the next month or so, We've got some great guests planned, some great sit-down chats, and as we get on the road to Bathurst, there's a whole pile of special content that you'll be hearing on the pod as well. Don't forget, Repco Supercars Weekly, every week as well to keep you up to date with what's going on in the Repco Supercars Championship. But uh, this weekend, enjoy the Ben, enjoy the 600th round. If you're trackside or watching on TV or however you are connecting to the 600 rounds, is that how they say it these days? I think it is, yeah. Modern marketing. However you choose to engage. However you engage, whatever you do, however you see it, however you enjoy it, uh, enjoy it. Thank you, Will. Good chat. Thank you. And we'll be back next week for another edition of the V8 Sleuth Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? 
Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.